and it's working now. Yeah, everything's working. Everything's is streaming and setting up your meeting for Facebook Live. It's all there now. Hmm. Wow. Uh, after error messages. Nice recovery. <laughs> well, yes. Thank you. Good job. You took that tech problem by the horns and solved it. <laughs> yes, I did. I solved it by restarting everything. That's the best. That's what all the uh, that's what all the tech guys uh, tell their people to do. First thing, it's the first solution. Well, it's uh, you know what? It's handy having uh, you here on the premises, Dan. Troubleshooting that, I said, Dan. Yeah. I said, uh, Freddie. I said, Hey, what should I do? And he said, Well, turn everything off. Okay. I'll do that. Number one solution. Well, when all else fails, reboot. You should have known that. I should have known a lot of stuff. There's no, no doubt about it, man. I wish I'd known a few more things before I got started on this journey. Uh, hey, Dan guys. gets credit for your incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> I got no. Listen, I got no. Uh, I, know, I, I know I'm a technical just idiot. What's that? I'm just trying to have some fun. Yeah, well, you, you did. You got some. You had some good fun going. You know, Any, Anybody look at the Beaver Blood Moon, by the way? No. You didn't, you didn't get up? Well, he texted me. I got a text from Dan first thing in the morning. He said, hey, look out the balcony, because Dan's staying here now on the premises. And uh, Dan was all over it. The Beaver Moon. Yeah, I read about it last night, and I thought, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll uh, you know try and remember to have a look. Out my back window. I didn't know, based on what they said about the horizon, whether I'd be able to see it. But I just completely forgot. Hey, I plum forgot. <laughs> did, did you, did you, Aunt Betty? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd forgot too, but I got a reminder. Uh, I went to the washroom this morning, and Dan said uh, I got a text from Dan. The blood moon yeah. is out the balcony, and I mm-hmm. completely missed it. What I was impressed about, though, is our boy Daniel. I said to him a few minutes ago, I said, "So you you went and looked at the moon?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Did you go back to sleep after that?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Wow." Uh, I, I thought that was impressive that you could do that. Well, I, I can, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's the waking up at four in the morning is kind of bugs me, but, you know, whatever. Why, are you starting to wake up in the middle of the night for uh, an old guy pee? Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's the pee part, but it's, yeah, I'm waking up around that time. Uh, <clears throat> on things terrestrial. <laughs> Less is moody. That, is that your... Uh, no, <laughs> is no, that's that your segue? Word. Speaking uh, of terrestrial... Extraterrestrial. Speaking of things in the sky and in space. um, Did you see that story on the weekend? Nevada County, California. This guy is convinced a little meteor, a meteorite, hit his home. He's in in his house. He hears a bang. He goes outside. His garage is demolished. And it's on fire. And... um, People come running and said, yeah, we saw this thing in the sky. It literally fell out of the sky onto your house. Wow. And then he phoned the fire department and everything. And, and it, it's interesting how they don't want to make any confirmation that way, I guess, until they have all the information. I guess not to scare the shit out of people that it's possible that little meteorites can fall out of the sky and destroy your home. You know, a little unsettling. But, yeah, this is a developing story. So, uh <laughs> 
to at some point is someone go, we are farmers. <laughs> it sounds like a farmer's commercial. Yeah. But um, check it out. Read that story. It, it's fascinating. And the guy lost one of his dogs. And he's oh, just come like on. Guy and he said, like, what, what can I tell you? Like, there's no proof within the house that, you know, there was nothing in the garage that could have exploded or anything. This came in the, and there's even remnants there. But no one will sort of official will address the fact that this could have happened. So it's just interesting to see how something like that works through the system. Well, you know? it is. It, it's yeah. potentially very interesting. Potentially. Yes. <laughs> it's like a sky is falling story. Yes. yes. Oh, the my God. Falling. You know what? Falling. I think we should talk about it for another 10 to 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Must be something to that uh, that fairy tale, right? What's that fairy tale, Dan? Isn't it like the chicken lull and the sky is falling? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Isn't that a fairy tale or is that like a grim tale or something? Oh, uh, well, you know what it is, Dan. It's uh, it's certainly of interest. Let's, uh, I wanted to uh, mention something too because yesterday, full disclosure, <clears throat> I may have forgotten to talk about our good friends at GoDaddy. Uh, speaking oh. to people that can help you technically... Certainly when it comes to uh, creating a website, get a domain, you know, all that stuff. Uh, if you're trying to get your business online, this is the time to do it. GoDaddy's been uh, powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. You know, everyone's thinking, oh, one day I would like to have a small business, maybe a side hustle. Well, there's no better time than now to do it with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support. That's right. You can actually speak to a human being. Well, not you, Dan, because you've been, Dan's been banned from tech support call. But uh, any, anyone else, uh, even Dan, GoDaddy will take your call. You can start your website for free today with GoDaddy. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Okay. Uh, and because this is a, has to do with a friend of ours, you know, normally we don't do emails until Thursday. I mean, everyone knows that. Come on. But I saw a note from somebody on the Twitter, and uh, they basically, it's a, it's a picture. And, and, you know, I apologize. I don't know who the person is, but their Twitter handle is uh, 305HHP. And it's a picture of them watching Dragon's Den, and uh, a woman comes on whose business uh, is the House of Yi. Oh, <laughs> and of course, when he saw that, this is what he thought. <laughs> anyway, it's a little uh, humble and Fred uh, reference, and we appreciate that uh, very, very much. Mm-hmm. House of Ye, House of Ye. That's what we should call this program some days: the House of Ye. So your dog's down here. He's uh, on the floor, Dan, next to uh, Stan. There's already forming a mini pack. That's great. Stan was waiting outside my uh, my bedroom door this morning. Yeah, he just just wanted to see what you guys are up to. Yeah, patiently waiting for my arrival and Clifford's arrival. Yeah, very good. Well, he likes to lick fresh nuts, Dan. Of course, that's why. Fred knows because he's a veterinarian. 
I'm sick of Howard. Mm, something new. He's got new nuts. These is, he's like these are way bigger than Howard's. And they're Friends hanging fire. This and they're hanging to be tied up till noon. <laughs> That's right. And these guys are hanging way down. The hell is that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say that uh, minor. You know, they haven't uh, dropped completely. But there, you know, that's that's part of life, Dan. It happens. Thanks for that. <laughs> See, you didn't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, aging and sex, did you see this story? It's funny way. Yeah, this is okay. Sharon announces yesterday she is a, having a romance with Alexander Edwards, who's thirty six, and she's seventy six. That's nice. Well. Like, what? Number one, he's a music producer. He could probably have whoever he wants. In fact, he has a couple of kids, apparently. But what would that be like? You're 36, you know, in your prime, and you're dropping the drawers of a 76-year-old. It's got to be a bit weird, unless she's, like, in exceptional, crazy shape. And love, you know, I know love conquers all, but still, seven. Well, she is, she is share. I mean, yeah, you got to imagine she's had some work done on all parts of her body. She's had a vagina tightening for sure. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's job one. Right. That's job one with your when you're share. <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, and again, it's all your perspective. Last week, we talked about David Foster and Catherine McPhee, right? It's like the old guy and the young woman. And it's like, oh, what's it like for her, this vibrant young woman? And look at that shriveled whatever. You know, and it works both ways. It's just like, you know, you think you'd want to be friends with Cher and, you know, tap into her musical knowledge and her history and her experience. But he tapped into her all right this, hey. is, this is what i'm saying like, <laughs> dan ran mm-hmm. he tapped into her i'll say oh well, i don't know that's what grandmother stuff right? yeah well dan's done a grandmother hmm? <laughs> dan was first to that <clears throat> yeah you you uh, dan dated a granny well dated, dated is really right. overstating it but uh <laughs> dan did it with a granny he was the first he was the first among our peers it wasn't. It wasn't the mountain I was climbing. I was not going for. It just worked out. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, but what was it? One of those situations where she had the kid like at fifteen or something, and then so she was in her early fifties or something. No, she was actually I think in her forties at the time, maybe even oh, late forties. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah she yeah. was a teenage mom then. Yeah, she was. She, well, that that you know that's got to be in brackets, right? It's not a share sitch. <laughs> No, no, she wasn't like, oh, come on in, Dan, and then I'll make us, I'll make us some, I'll make us some muffins. No, it wasn't that situation. Although I seem, I, you seem fascinated by the fact that somebody could have uh, an attraction for somebody else just because they're a little bit older. And you can imagine, I haven't seen pictures of Cher for a while, but you can imagine that Cher at 76 is not like our grandmothers at 76. No, I would hope not. Um, no, and you're right, Howard. And uh, no, and I can see a, an attraction, like an emotional attraction. Um, but it's the physical thing that I find fascinating, and I'm just assuming that's what it is. You know. Well, let's look up pictures of Cher right now. <laughs> let's see what that looks like. She looks pretty good. Oh yeah, there's the there's the record producer guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll tell you why, man. She looks uh, at Cher 76, defends relationship with 36-year-old Bo Alexander Edwards. Love doesn't know math, says Cher. Right. Neither do I. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, she looks pretty and, good. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it probably won't last because she could die. Well, but, uh, <laughs> that's why it's not they're going to they're um, going to break up. She's going to have a heart attack or stroke or some shit. But he can always say he nailed Cher, right? Which is pretty cool within the community, I guess. I don't know. What, oh, can, yeah. what, what how do you imagine the community talks to each other? Oh, you know, I nailed Cher, oh. but then she had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> so that would, yeah. Yeah, 76, I could handle the stroke. No, that was too much for me. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I just can't imagine what you're... Uh, you, have a lot of time, you have a lot of time in a day to ruminate about this. It's good. I like it. <clears throat> uh, what else? Read those stories. Read a story. It gets the guy to thinking. It gets the guy to thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, you brought up... You brought up... That, that's another a, thing. A couple but, of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That story made you... Br- that, it's funny because that, that's one of the things that came up with me and Lumby because we're both from uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah. My buddy Lumby in France. That phrase, that was what we were... When we were kids, when you yeah. vomited, you would say, "I you, did you bring up? Mm-hmm. I brought up. And I thought, is that a Saskatchewan thing? Do you guys, Did you guys say that? Bring up? Yes. I remember saying to my mom, like, when you were sick, Mom, I don't want to bring up. Exactly. I don't want to bring up. Yeah. Dan, did you I bring did no, you t- I don't remember what, that. Did you what, well what did you call throwing up? Just throwing, throwing up, up or puking? Yeah. Mm. Puking, barfing. But I'm I, that's what I remember early stages of that when you would be a kid and you'd get sick and you'd like either you were gonna bring up or you brought up, but bringing up is what you did. Yeah. Because it's always been even like Remember, even as a teenager, you'd drink too much wine or you'd drink too much booze as a kid, and then you'd get that feeling, I'm going to be sick, I'm going to be sick, and you'd, you would sort of resist it. And then once you did, how, how, how much better you felt. But you could never make that connection as a kid, that once I do this, I'm going to feel a lot better. But, yeah, I used to hate that. Here it comes, here it comes. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a regional thing, but I'm glad that you experienced it. But yeah, bring up, brought up, bring up, bring up. Uh, Dan, uh, so you were just throwing up in a dramatic fashion, very stoic. Mother, father, I'm about to, I'm about to uh, vomit. I'm about to have a nice vomit. Yeah, Dan, it's the Lord's revenge. You must have sinned. This is hell, (laughs) Dan. Dan, yeah, everything that goes wrong is is yeah. something to do with the Lord. Daniel, no, everything that goes wrong is Satan. Dan, the Lord <laughs> that's <is>. right. <laughs> the bad things are Satan. Dan right. is bringing up because of Jesus. Right. Dan is wrong. Yeah, Jesus. Everything, everything happens for a reason. That's mm-hmm. part of the whole. Oh thing. yeah. Well, yeah. that is true. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Mm. Uh, I guess so. Logically, that makes sense. Mm. Um, yesterday, too, we uh, you had mentioned. How uh, articulate and just fair-minded and well-spoken the former president was, and I couldn't find the audio, and I did, just for uh, you people that were listening yesterday and heard us talking about it. Here's just a few seconds of this. Just a different cat. Oh, hang on a second. I had it already. 
<laughs> oh, I know what happened. You know what happened was I, I fucking redid my, I rebooted my computer. You fucking. <clears throat> yeah, no. I, you know, I had it all set up. It was going to be like this cool moment where we were going to listen to Obama just real brief, briefly. That was a really good There's lead up. Here we There's go. There's this thing that binds us together. Oh, and we're getting a buzz now. As Americans. Oh, that's, that's on the original. Oh, it is. That no matter right. who we are or where we come from, what we look like, who we love, what our last name is, how we worship, a belief that all of us matter. The kind of slash and burn politics that we're seeing right now, that doesn't have to be who we are. We can be better. And, and, and it has nothing to do, by the way, with political correctness or being too woke. It's about fundamental values that my grandparents from Kansas taught me. Values yeah. I grew up in. Anyway, that buzz is on the original. I don't know why. Yes, it is. I, I listened to it yesterday. I, I can't tell you why CNN put that audio up. But, but you just get a sense of the guy and how fair-minded he is and how he's... Mm-hmm. Out there doing his best. Now, we're going to talk about this at some point today, maybe a little bit with uh, Romy. Uh, but tomorrow is the day, because tonight are the midterms in the States. We all know what that is. And so tomorrow we're going to break it all down. But uh, we'll give you some of the essentials today. There's a couple of interesting stories. I just feel sad today because, you, you know, you're expecting the first step towards whatever. You know, it's and these dummies walking straight into it it's just weird it's just weird but you know what's weird like you know there there's a couple of different guys that do this thing what the, the there's two guys called the good liars they're pretty funny and they go around to these trump rallies and they interview these people yeah. and a lot of the audio we play in the show comes from them so they're they're really good same with jordan klepper i'm sorry jordan what are they, the, the guy from the the daily show klepper yeah klepper and it fascinates me how in a world of information where any question you want answered is available to you, once you believe that things are fake, like those people that they, they speak to outside of these rallies that are so misinformed and so dumb. And again, I keep saying they're not bad people. They're just they've been hoodwinked is what's happened to them. But. The weird part about it for me is that they, they don't seem to want to avail themselves of any alternate information. And when they do, they think it's fake. You know, they say, you know, hate, racism, it comes from ignorance. It does. And a lot of these people are ignorant. What matters most for them is the baseline, the where it all started through the intolerance and they were swept up by that and they're not going to let go because they still think there's a chance it's just it's bizarre and and, and again you know people you've said it many times uh, you know uh, somebody smarter than us can look at us and say well if you know but there's a reason for them to be like that and well maybe we just explained a, a little bit of it but they have a story you know they have a reason. They have a, a position. It's just so hard to get your, your head around because, again, what you just said about there's a wealth of information out there. You can't decipher that. You can't balance and weigh it. Yeah, I mean, that video or that audio I played yesterday of the guy saying, you know, people in Australia, they're voting. You know, like, like I, I don't know. If, and whenever I see these people interviewed, I, I got to hand these guys 
mm-hmm. give them credit because how they don't just stop the camera and go, are you fucking kidding? Mm-hmm. Do really? Because that, you know, that kind of breaks the bit that they're mm-hmm. doing. They're basically doing that without saying it. But I don't know that I'd have the patience to not stop the guy and go, okay, let me just stop for a second. Do you really think people in Australia are voting in this election? Mm -hmm. You can't actually think that. Or you can't actually think that Trump was ordained by God. Trump voted up until quite recently. uh, He was, you know, he was at... uh, he was a Democrat for life. Uh, the, one of the Clintons were at his wedding to Melania. It's not mm-hmm. like he wasn't part of that universe. He, it's, that's the problem if, I, I have, is that it's all just such a big scam. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's just always been that, an opportunist. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it just, it sucks. And it's just not good for anyone. Uh, you know, I saw a guy yesterday. You know, in uh, Arizona, and that uh, he said, if Kerry Lake doesn't win by a landslide, the election is fixed. Yeah, that's exactly. his position right now. Forget saying that and how damaging and evil and wrong and harmful that is. That's one of the guys you just want to sit down and say, y- you do realize that you're supporting a despicable human being. An evil bitch to the core is who you're supporting. But he's got, they got a reason for loving her. And, you know, I guess as a moderate or somebody that, you know, as a Canadian who really doesn't have a ton of skin in the game, it's like, like how? How has she fooled you? Yeah. She's rotten. She says whatever she needs to say when she says it to get in the position she's been in. She's just sucked all these people in. She's a horrible person. Well, she's part of a, you know, there's hundreds yeah. of... I mentioned this to you guys last week. <clears throat> There's hundreds of candidates at every level, state, you know, a local level, national, hundreds of them now that are election deniers. Imagine that two years ago. Did we ever have that in, you know, part of our conversations? No. Here's a story from yesterday. Trump uh, posted on his social media, whatever that thing's called. He said, uh, to cast doubt on the, the legitimacy of the midterm election in the critical swing state of Pennsylvania, it says, he wrote, here we go again, rigged election. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I, I, as you just mentioned, there are way smarter people than us that would be able to explain it to uh, us dunderheads. But all I know is this. That idea is the same, along the same continuum as fake news, rigged elections. If we lose, it's been stolen. Mm-hmm. So once you can introduce that into the actual common, you know, discussion, well, then there's like the, the point of Republicans is they never think they should lose another election. Mm-hmm. And it was all started by one man and how evil that is just in his own self-interest, his narcissism, yeah. all about him. One man started this, you know, and, and, and again, we should move on until yeah. we get hooked up on this. Yeah. But, yeah. You no, know, you just go back to 2000. You know, Al Gore and uh, George Bush Jr. Um, How tight that was, how contentious that was, how many issues there were surrounding that. But it never, that didn't grow from anything similar. It was just having to be a close election. 
And in the end, there are some people that still believe Al Gore won. But at some point, for the betterment of the country, for the betterment of all, to be able to move on and be strong, Al Gore accepted it. Yeah, and that's what Al Gore said. You know, he called George Bush Jr. and said, hey, for the good of the country, I think it's time we... We moved on. All that's been lost, and it's that, so sad. There is no, 20 years. Yeah, there is there is no more for the good of the country. And that's kind of what Obama was saying there. He's like, you know what, everyone? Can we just take a second here? Mm-hmm. They, one of the phrases from uh, that speech or another that I heard mm-hmm. of his, which is, we have more in common than that that divides us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also been lost. And I think it's been lost here in Canada that, you know, part of the, we talked about, uh, about conservative politics here yesterday. I mean, what's been lost on Canadians is that, you know, you can disagree with a liberal leader or a conservative leader, but I don't remember people driving around Canada with fuck uh, Stephen Harper. No. But, but a lot of people didn't like Stephen Harper. Mm-hmm. But, but there Listen. was a respect for a, a prime minister that is gone now as well. Well, well, there was, a, a, there was fuck Diefenbaker, wasn't there? <laughs> yes, I believe uh, fuck a lot of people wanted to fuck Diefenbaker. No, I think they just called him fuckface. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, you talk about what politicians used to look like. Diefenbaker's head looked like it was perpetually falling off his skull, and yet he kept getting elected. But no, it, but go back to there was a lot of anti-Harper sentiment in Canada. Yes. But I don't recall anybody... And maybe there was a few, but you never saw that. And I don't, yeah, you can say all you want that you don't like Justin Trudeau, but there's a respect that's been gone. I don't, listen, I don't love the guy, but I don't think it's fair to, you know, I just think it's, yeah, you know. I don't like him either. But again, there's an election in 2025. But there's a long way. It it just comes down to that. I guess what I'm trying to say, there's there's problems with a person's politics. And then there's fuck Biden and all these flags and fuck Trudeau. And, and, you know, I've driven up beside a, a, Mm -hmm. a guy with a the F Trudeau thing. And then it's just like, really, is that where we're at? You copycat assholes. Exactly. You know, and I I have no sympathy. Sympathy. I have no more tolerance for Theo Fleury. Fuck, I'd love to drop the gloves with Theo. Oh, yeah. I don't don't like even yesterday calling for, you know, we need a red wave. The future of, you know, democracies on like the whole other way. Like, you know. No. Get it, telling Americans to get out and vote like he's an American. Like, it's just bizarre. That guy is so fucking stupid and so twisted and so delusional. It's shocking. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm glad he doesn't get the attention that he could. That's one thing about Canada. It's like that whole community is saying, you know what? Let's not even mention Theo. Let's just push him over to the side here. <laughs> like, well, him and the skater lady are literally Canada's... Oh. You know, nut job sweethearts. But Theo's just a nasty little fuck now. And, you know, the days of, yo, look what happened when he was young. But you know what? He's had therapy, and there's right and there's wrong, and there's he's old enough to... He's just gone wacko. Yeah, calling for a red wave. We need a red wave yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I, uh, I talked to... It's funny how this came up. Mm-hmm. I was talking to... Uh, there's a guy out west that is uh, working with us a little bit over the last year. We're just trying to get a... We've had a couple of small clients. that can, Actually, Manscaped came from this guy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Western Canada and 
there are some people that he works with that are sort of in the Theo stratosphere or whatever. And I'm like, how does that, how do you even have a conversation with people that, you know, he does uh, some representing these guys. They're a little bit more sort of right of center. That's what he said. And I thought to myself, well, how do you interact with people that are, uh, you know, election deniers or anti-vaxxers or Theo supporters? Yeah. I know. It's, uh, it leaves you wondering, and you just know if you eavesdropped on some of those conversations within those people. I bet you there's a lot of anti-brown sentiment going on there. And I mean all shades of brown. No, I know. Yeah, even the uh, Jewish ones. I can't yeah. even imagine, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we've got uh, really more show uh, than this. Um, although I do have a little Trump audio later about him and the nuclear codes, which is just plain comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, we're going to have our friend Pied there. Little Clifford just came over to say hi. Uh, Paul Romanuk is going to join us once we actually start the show. And of course, Dan Duran now in residency. <laughs> um, all right, Dan Duran, do your thing from uh, the kitchen. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Trendy, Toronto, and the Brampton Basement Studio, and is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. Eat what you want, though. Eat, drink what you want to drink, and be who you want to be. Enjoy classics like the legendary four cheese spinach dip and unforgettable Gettable chicken wings. Fuel your adventurous spirit that craves something a little different, a little more original. And now, here are two men who, as proud Canadians, look at the U.S. elections and think, we are so much less fucked than they are. Shake their heads with a look of superiority and then go back to planning their next trip out of the country. That's right. It's Humble and Fred. Yeah, you got it, Dan Duran. We should talk about our trip to Kelsey's. Oh, Dan's gone now. Uh, Freddie and I went to Kelsey's uh, Roadhouse yesterday at, uh, in, in Mississauga, and it was something else. Uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you are with clients and that kind of thing, I'm a little worried about us because, you know, we, we tend to eat quickly and uh, make a mess. But I was proud of us yesterday. We didn't slop food on ourselves too much. And we, I think for considering how we normally, I think we paced ourselves nicely. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah, but that's not even by design. It's, I, th- I think it's by, it's almost by age. I, I don't, the system can't take that. <laughs> well, speed of intake that it used to. Have. We were we were with, still bad, but yeah. it's slowing down. Oh, for sure. But I mean, we were extra on our best behavior because we were with a couple of people from Kelsey's. But let's talk about the food. You know, I haven't been to Kelsey's for a while. I know I'm sure when the last time you were there, but you know, we've been talking about Kelsey's here on the program because they're now part of the humble and Fred world, as uh, you've heard Dan Duran talk about it. Um, you know. I, I was just want to say, I want to get right to the thing that I, I was so blown away by everything. But the thing that we started with was their spinach dip. And uh, they serve it with four these cheese, spinach. four cheese, and they had little triangles of uh, pita triangles. Mm-hmm. You Toasted. know, yeah, and then we had that. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm not really, I have no, you know, spinach dip had its time. 
But let me tell you. Oh, yeah, this. you have a whole thing about that. <laughs> yes, I you do. You have a whole routine about spinach. I've been chips. told. Uh, I was with. Oh, D- I know we you were, did. We yeah. were with Dina. <laughs> And uh, and I said, you know, normally I'm not a big spinach dip fan. Anyway, I uh, I started eating this stuff. I don't know if you noticed, I dipped everything I ate for the entire meal, including <laughs> including later when I had onion rings. I dipped mm. it into the spinach dip. And at the very end, your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> we had a spinach dip, and then we all shared some wings. We were with uh, our agency guys, the two Ryans, big Ryan and medium sized Ryan. And uh, we shared wings, and then we all had some sandwiches. Yeah, there was four of us, and we each sort of picked a flavor of wings. I, I don't know we had 20 or 30 or whatever it was between us. And yeah, I chose the sriracha lime, which I really liked. And you, you were the... Uh, lemon pepper, le- the you know, lemon the dry pepper, rub. Which, I love that stuff. Yeah, and the sriracha lime were also a dry rub, which I really like. I'm... I'm that way now more than the the sauce, yeah. Mm-hmm. But even the sauce, like the other one, one of the Ryans ordered something with the barbecue sauce. And I had one yes, of them. They were delicious. great. They're very good. Oh, outstanding. Have it. Everything was great. And uh, so that, that spinach dip has been developed over years and years. And I can tell you, if you haven't had a spinach dip in a while, like you were like, oh, the spinach dip revolution is over. It's not. I can tell you that, you know, it's, and, and it's one of those things where it will make you go back to Kelsey's to have it again the wings are great the spinach dip was great and the sandwiches we had burgers we had i had like a um, a melt a patty melt you know i mean again amazing uh and i just want to point out that then this was a contest that we were talking about so when you're at a kelsey's get a cold 16 ounce bud draft for only six bucks that's right. You can enter to uh, win your chance, uh, enter for your chance to win over 500 prizes, including NFL jerseys, soccer jerseys, and swag. And the grand prize, this is really cool. It's a VIP Super Bowl 57 experience. All you got to do is visit the Roadhouse to watch a game, get a ticket, and enter to win. The contest is for a limited time, so head over. It's, uh, it's really something else. And if you haven't been at a Kelsey's for a while, do yourself a favor. Go get there. Uh, go there, enter the contest, and uh, as we say, right, we recommend highly the spinach dip and uh, and the chicken wings. Visit kelseys.ca for more specials. You know, I had the bacon burger, uh, bacon bourbon barbecue burger. Yes, and it was outstanding. One other little tidbit: we were at the Kelsey's Arrowwood Road, I believe, Mississauga, up near yes. in the four one. Here is an interesting fact from that location. The chef has been there for 20 years. Yeah, crazy. You know how remarkable that is? Just think about that. I couldn't believe it. Because, you know, it's not necessarily the type of profession where you stay at a place a long time. You know, it just isn't. And the fact that this guy has been there for 20 years overseeing that kitchen says something about Kelsey's. It says something about, you know, a standard of quality. It, well, it says many things. That, Like, really, I thought... Wow, that's exceptional. Yeah. And uh, if you want to see some pictures, I'm not sure if Kelsey's has put them up, has put this up on uh, their f- uh, social, but go check it out. Uh, Freddie and I, some pictures of us eating. You know, that's uh, people love that. Hey, no, I'm, I'm not wearing a bow tie. That's <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how two old guys eating chicken wings. But uh, they wanted to take a picture. Uh, we were proud to uh, to be there and happy to recommend to all humble and Fred Hundy Peas. 
Do yourself a favor. Avail yourself of the uh, fine food at Kelsey's. Did you want to uh, also do a little shout out to some people uh, on your own? Like, do you want to do one of your things here now? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, do you see what I'm talking about? Before yeah, let's talk about the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett. Uh, he's a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be back for his regular weekly visit tomorrow on the heels of going to a conference to gather more knowledge on how to invest your money, his money, anybody's money who wants to become part of the Sherpa world. And you can do that. RetirementSherpa.ca uh, retirement is how to get a, a hold of uh, Tim and a lot of humble and Fred listeners have, and the results have been fantastic. RetirementSherpa.ca uh, Very exciting when uh, it turns out uh, our, our old friend and colleague is back on the show. Uh, as you know, for many years, one of the great play-by-play voices this country's ever produced. As well, he is the author of the best-selling Hockey Superstars Annual, and the 2022 edition is now available. He is also, as you know, the host of The Walrus Was Paul, and recently was awarded a podcast... Yes, an, another friend of Humble and Fred being uh, celebrated by the podcast community. Much like our friend Larry Fedorik, uh, Paul Romanuk has been producing podcasts now for about a minute, and, has <laughs> and, uh, and we're not and we're not bitter about it. But uh, you know, I think he's done like seven podcasts, and he's won awards for each one of them. Uh, actually, it's not true. <laughs> Season three of the Walrus, the Walrus was Paul, is uh, is going to be out soon, and and let's welcome back to our program the super talented Paul Romanek. Uh, thank you. I think. <laughs> no, no, it's what, great. What what category was the award? Uh, it, I was awarded uh, at the Canadian Podcast Awards. The I uh, won two awards. The uh, outstanding music podcast for the walrus was Paul nice uh, and also uh, outstanding artwork for a podcast which uh, I I can take no credit for it was a lovely woman named Jane Gowan who designed the artwork for the podcast but uh, very uh, as the Brits would say very chuffed very well uh, listen and, and well deserved. And, 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 and well is, the award, is the award handy there? Can we see the statuette? Or, or? Uh, no, there is, uh, there is. Uh, I can. Uh, what, what can I put up? I can put up the uh, the email link they sent me with the fancy artwork that says you're an award winner. But oh, no, okay. there's no no statuette. So well, um, yeah, it was. I guess well, I, I don't know. Here's I don't know. the thing. Uh, apparently, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> apparently, it'll be a cold day in hell before any podcast awards come our way. Well, well our- you guys are recognized as the most uploaded podcast yes. in, uh, in Canadian in, in history. In history, exactly. Oh, yeah. Is, well, that cat- you know, is that a category? You know who recognizes that? Just him and I. Just him and I. Oh. <laughs> well, Howard, I do Howard what, I do. What, what category would we fall into? We're not funny. It's not comedy. We're not smart it's not educational we're not entertaining it's not entertaining <laughs> like, what well, you know, well i'll tell you what when you put it that way i'm not even sure we should even be talking to paul romanuk we're not even <laughs> we're not we're not qualified um let me get off that i just thought i'd throw that out there because i thought that would be some fun humble and fred fun but i do have we have a lot of stuff to get to with paul 
And uh, I had seen that you had, you had won the award, so congratulations. You know, good for you. You're a nice. Thank man. you very much. Thank you. It's, okay. Uh, as, as you know, that and uh, ten cents, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, how do you monetize a podcast? But you guys know how to do that. Yeah, but you. Well, win there's awards. that. The, the, you win awards. The phone must be ringing off the hook with sponsors. Hold on. <laughs> That's right. No, Stand by. No, Can't it, talk it, to you now. Not even plugged in. So. Hey, um, <laughs> I got a couple cool uh, Beatles things to talk about with you. Uh, one, of course, I'd like you to talk about, um, which is the release of a remastered. Was it Revolver? They put yes. out. Yeah. So just give me a little bit of context. I'd thought by now because I was just looking on uh, Spotify to get some music for you that most of the Beatles. Music has been repurposed, remastered, but give me some context as to what they've just released. Well, the, the big significant remastering, uh, and I can go as far down the rabbit hole as you'd like, but the big significant remastering came in 2009, uh, which was the first time that uh, the, the entire sort of core catalog had been remastered since it was initially released on CD in 1987. So you can imagine the jump in technology, mastering technology from 87 to 2009. It was quite significant. Uh, they didn't change any of the mixes, however, right? There's a difference between between mixing and mastering. Uh, the mix is, uh, you know, where things are in the stereo picture. You know, so the, the Beatles recordings from the 60s, as was the style back then for pop music, is it was called what's called a very hard pan. So you have, you know, bass and uh, drums on the left. You have vocals and guitars on the right, for example. So it's and we've all done that. Maybe some of us haven't. But you turn down the you turn the balance in your stereo and it's like you can sing along with the Beatles because you yeah. can turn, mm-hmm. completely turn the vocals down. So mm-hmm. fast forward, what has happened more recently in the last few years, uh, going through Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the White Album, Abbey Road, and now Revolver, is they've gone back and remixed the music okay. as well as remastering it. So to give it a more modern stereo picture and sound, uh, and, and it's not significant in the case of Revolver. Uh, you know, it's it's tweaked certainly a little bit. Uh, the, there's a deeper bass, I would say. Uh, the, the highs are a little more crystal clear. The vocals are a little bit more up front, but it's more a tweaking than a, a reinventing. Well, and, and to guys that love the Beatles like we do, I, and I'm looking at the uh, list of, uh, so basically if you're searching this Cisco revolver 2022 and it's all and it's listed as the 2022 mix is there a song and maybe this is not fair that you would say oh here what that you, when you want to hear the difference like the 2022 mix of uh, got to get you into my life or is there a song that would be would be a good example of this the ones that jumped out at me uh, were, you know, sort of going in order uh, here, there and everywhere okay. uh, where Paul McCartney's vocal sounds to me. It sounds a little more dry and a little more upfront in the mix. You know, it sounds beautiful. It's a beautiful vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one really jumped out at me. And uh, I also thought that the uh, the vocal in She Said, She Said uh, by the John Lennon song, which I think closes side one. Uh, for the back when albums had sides, yeah, yeah, uh, well, and uh, and again, I, I think his vocal is up, it sounds better, and is higher up in the mix. Um, but yeah, not a not significant. They would be two. I would jump to right away. Okay, well, here's here's a little bit, of, and it's weird because on the track listing here, Paul and Fred, it says uh, she said she said in mono. 
So I don't. Uh, that yeah. must be on the. That must be on the. You must be looking at the bonus one. Okay, uh, so that's what I am looking at. Oh, here yeah, we go. Yeah. I got it. All right. Here's uh, she said. She said. That so to me the vocals a little bit more what they, what they call dry so not quite as much reverb on it and I think it's a little up in front of the mix and when you listen to it in the stereo right. it's 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 more in the middle uh, which is the, the traditional way that you mix albums now in in modern stereo here's right? a little the stereo uh, stereo picture goes well, across he, the front. I was gonna say here's a little McCartney as well. I can almost tell you what Fred's thinking because it's what I often think when I listen to these guys that I can't uh, you can't imagine they're just kids in their 20s and I mean I don't know if that's exactly what you were thinking Fred but there is that element when you listen to how talented and all this how it all came together it's kind of hard to get your head around the fact because you know, I got kids in my 20s they're in their 20s now and I realize how young somebody in their 20s is now being in my, you know, last couple of holes left on the uh, course here. But you know what I mean, Fred? Like, th- these were two 20-something young men and a couple of their buddies, and they made all this music. Well, in these songs, it's like you haven't lived enough to be able to write this. It just shows, you know, the world that they were thrown into and what they absorbed and then how it comes out in music. It's just fascinating. You know, you talk about age. I read the story yesterday. They were talking about the Mark David Chapman testimony at his uh, at his uh, parole hearing in this August just passed. And, you know, in the end, he said, you know, on that particular day, I had evil in my heart. Oh, really? Did you? Anyway, and they denied his bail. But you just think of our they denied his parole. You just think Lennon was 40 then. I was like 24. So he seemed like an old guy to me at the time. Sure. But just think now, from our perspective, how young forty is. You're, st- you know, when my listen, my daughter's forty. You're still really a kid. You're still literally in your prime, especially creatively. Like you're maybe in the waning years, but you're still there. So it's like, what, what again? What were we robbed of? Of him yeah. dying at forty years old, and yeah. If you know, if they'd have ever got back together and maybe collaborated again, we were just robbed of so much that day. And he was a kid; he was at forty years old, just turned forty. Mm-hmm. In which, you know, we're of course just speculating here, but mm-hmm. which they likely would have if you just, you know, having lived life as you mm-hmm. both have, as I have. We, you know, we all have falling. You'll have a falling out with people in your twenties, and it's you know, f you and f you and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it, as they did, they grew up. They grew apart. Uh, it was inevitable. But then, you know, you'll get into your 50s and your 60s and you'll go, you know. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, That's a great point. It's water under the bridge. I'm not going to let's. Hey, let's get together and write some songs. Right. I mean, enough we, time would have passed. They've almost they yeah. would have forgotten the things that drove them apart. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Here's crazy. an interesting fact about John Lennon for your next award-winning podcast. Uh, this comes from uh, Forbes. And uh, it was, it was, I, I clicked on a link this morning of the world's richest dead celebrities. The highest earning dead celebrities. And, and at number one, you'd never guess it, so I'll just tell you. It's J.R. Tolkien. Wow. And and, Prince. Well, you know what? It's funny. I would have said a lot of people before, you know, the Lord of the Rings guy. But uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who died in 1973 because of some sales of the rights to there's a whole bunch of people that hold the rights to all of that catalog of of work. He made five hundred million dollars, his estate in 2021. But all the way down here in uh, this is after people like. Dr. Seuss, Leonard Cohn made more money than uh, the person I'm about to tell you, John Lennon last year. And I was surprised. Uh, $16 million. And that puts Lennon in 12th place of the dead celebrities that are making money behind Elvis. And here's a weird one. Jeff Beccaro of Toto. Uh-huh. Mm, I know. So, yeah, he made, uh, he, by the way, they all made about three and a half million for the, the, uh, the Peter Jackson uh, documentary. The, they, we were all paid for the rights to that music. Mm-hmm. But you want to know why that is, I think, partially is because the Beatles, the Beatles don't own the core of their catalog. It's owned by Sony ATV Music. Uh, so they don't own those early years of their catalog. I don't think they own anything until after 1968 when they formed Apple Publishing and they held on to their own publishing rights. And that was the whole fiasco where mm-hmm. it's a long story. It's a fascinating financial saga if you ever want to dig down into it. But, you know, Michael Jackson owned the rights for a while yeah. and then he sold it. And I, and I believe it's Sony ATV now that owns, you know, all She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, all those, all that stuff. So Apple doesn't make, I mean, they make somewhat, they would make money from, uh, because they wrote it, but they don't hold the publishing rights. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you talk about evildoers in the early days of music and recording. Those guys at the top and the publishing companies and the record companies screwing these guys like sideways. They didn't know, right? They just wanted to make music. Sad, really. Well, yeah. There's the, so many stories. <clears throat> like that. I was going to say, there's a documentary. <clears throat> I read about recently the guy from the babies, John Waite, you know, that song missing you and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, just what you said, Fred, in those, in those Mm -hmm. days, the record company would front the band, the money to make the album and all the videos. And from all the songs that this John Waite guy wrote and performed, he never made any money. He was constantly paying back the record company for the upfronts. Uh, to make the music and in the end you know didn't make what you'd think you know they, because of what you've just described they they basically held these guys for ransom mm-hmm. yeah, the, the money is in publishing that's that's from my knowledge of the music industry if you go down that route the thing that you want to do and what a lot of record companies still try to do is you retain the publishing rights right so they are owned by because that's where the money is you know especially if you become a successful band it's when it gets mm-hmm. repackaged and repurposed mm-hmm. and reused that's where you make your money uh, and uh, you know the Beatles Paul McCartney is now he's he's makes a fortune in mm-hmm. publishing rights he has bought the Buddy Holly catalog uh, he owns the Broadway rights to Guys and Dolls uh, 
uh, and wow. you go on and on. So, and and he learned that lesson. You know, that's where the money is. So he when he when he accumulated wealth, he started back in the '60s and '70s to go out and buy publishing rights. Um, Wasn't that Berlin. interesting? He, he, he bought the Irving Berlin catalog. Yeah, Howard, where, where's Michael Jackson on the dead guy list? Uh, great question. He is. And is there a woman on there? Uh, there is not actually, mm-hmm. but Michael Jackson. Uh, again, you can go look this. Uh, Jeff Jeff Beccaro, by the way, for people who don't know, was the drummer for Toto, and he wrote uh, Africa, and he has a bunch of other publishing. Yeah, Paul, to your point, yeah. it's all publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, it's funny. I don't know how Leonard Cohn got on this list, but he he's seventh last year oh, uh, with fifty five million. Everybody sings the hell everyone exactly. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson was in sixth mm-hmm. place with seventy five million. Uh, and you know, here's another one that surprised me: James Brown. James Brown in fifth place last year with one hundred million dollars. Well, that wow. must make his family feel good. Mm. <laughs> Paul, yeah, I, I was thinking about you. Uh, now I remember. I and I don't know if this. I don't put you on the spot either, but. I was in uh, France uh, visiting my buddy Lumby, and I was coming home about two weeks ago, and I'm in this French hotel near the airport. It's a Holiday Inn, and everything's in French except for a couple channels, which was the BBC. And there was I, I sat and watched a documentary on the 100th anniversary, the creation of the BBC, and how it began. And it was fascinating, all about in World War II and intercepting signals from the Germans, etc. But I thought, you know... I, it's 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 almost like they have a different relationship with that public broadcaster than we do here. So I was going to ask you from your time living in London and the UK, did, is that fair to say that they have a different sense of the BBC than we do of the CBC? Yeah, I mean, like any pro- public broadcaster, and I've never run across one uh, that that doesn't take at times a, a bit of a kicking uh, in the industry and amongst the general public because it's the public broadcaster. So that that goes with the territory. But that said, um, the BBC is is much loved and very highly regarded by most Britons. Uh, I, I would say that's an accurate general statement. I mean, it is. It is a well-run public broadcaster. Um, it's a different funding model. Uh, you pay, uh, when I was there, about 130 pounds. So that's going to be a little over 200 Canadian dollars. You pay that per year as a license fee. All of that license money goes to the BBC to fund it. What you get in return is, to me, the greatest value out there. You get uh, five or six television channels commercial free you get i want to say five or six radio stations commercial free uh and much of it the highest level of programming that's sold around the world not all of it there's some crap but you you think about the garbage that bell and rogers rammed down our throat Dozens of channels you're forced to take mm-hmm. that you don't watch, you don't care about. And I mean, you, you pay, it's easy to pay two, 250, 300 bucks a month, a month for that garbage. Yeah. Uh, well, I know. It's the commercials. We always use much music, which I think remains a top tier cable channel, which, you know, a, like an actual set portion of our cable bill goes to pay that because of the tier it's on and it's Seinfeld reruns all day long. Yeah. Um, but that is the difference between, from my perspective, the BBC and the CBC it's, it's content. 
Listen, yeah. if the CBC delivered that type of content, I there would be a lot less moaning and groaning. The CBC does some stuff, and some of it's good. But for what it costs the country and the profile it has, it just doesn't deliver, man. Not like yeah, the but, but it costs. It's it is one of the most underfunded public broadcasters in the world. It doesn't cost very much, and it's the old adage, <clears throat> Freddie. Right. I know we disagree on this. You mm. get what you pay for. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. very well funded. It's a political football. You know, one government cuts the funding, another gives it back. And guess what? So they, they don't because they don't have enough money to pay good writers, good actors, all those back shop people who develop that great programming. The BBC does, and they sell right. the programming. You know, once in a while, the CBC strikes gold, uh, and they'll get a show that that they're able to syndicate around the world. But for and for the most part, it's it's crap. But just the sorry, go ahead, Fred. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right, and I'm, I'm I wouldn't argue that it's chicken or the, uh, chicken or the egg, right? It's like you need the money to produce the content, and if you're not producing the content, people are reluctant to give you the money so they are caught sort of in that vacuum and it's not fair to say that cbc hasn't produced you know a a great amount of you know top tier programming but over the years over the years yes and certainly better the last 10 years than it was you know back in the you know early 70s when it you know was looked like it was shot on somebody's own you know home camera but i mean you think about it i i just it was one of the things i like okay i gotta kill some time and i thought this is one of the few english channels and it was fascinating when you think about all the shows they produced including The Office and all those different, you know, again, as you said, Paul, and and by the way, they've added streaming. That's another thing I didn't realize they did. There's a, whatever their version of gem would be. But I was thinking about you. I thought, oh, well, you know, I wonder if, you know, Romy has a a thought or two about that. Another thing I wanted to run by you. um, Now we were originally going to have you on tomorrow and our guy from the States that used to work with Trump on today. Well, we switched Uh you guys. (laughs) Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit of U.S. politics with him. The guy worked on The Apprentice for six years. He's got great insight into the family, and he worked very closely with Trump. And he's a fascinating character. His name is Noel Kassler. But I, why I follow you on Twitter, and you know, you and I are somewhat aligned in our opinions of the U.S. landscape. And you tweeted recently uh, one of the last Democratic elections in the USA? Question mark democracies around the world are holding their collective breath and i would 100 percent agree with that it's um you know it, the world needs again like some things about it dislike some things about it but the bottom line is the world needs a strong united states because that country has been the vanguard of democracy uh in the world since post second world war possibly before that but certainly post the second world war and when there was an idiot at the wheel there for a few years um going into the vacuum of the lack of leadership and the lack of having an adult in the room uh went happily china and uh russia and to a lesser extent, uh, Saudi Arabia and that collection of countries, none of whom, in my opinion, are our friends. And uh, if democracy suffers in the United States, we all suffer for that. The world needs a strong United States to uphold democracy, help uphold democracy around the world. We all have to do our part. And I and I think, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but uh the path that our our friends to the south are going down, uh, 
I don't see getting any better. Uh, it, it's not even like there's a parallel path of we disagree and we're sort of going along like that. Uh, it's certainly not coming together. It's going like this. Mm-hmm. It's getting worse. And yeah. uh, I, I think the real it's really going to hit the fan in the next federal election, the next presidential election, when regardless of of whether they win or lose, the Republicans will say they won. Right. And what the Republicans have spent, I'm sure your guests tomorrow can enlighten you far more on this, but what they've spent the last two years doing is putting stooges in place mm-hmm. in all of the swing states so that now when Donald Trump or whomever it is picks up the phone and says, can you find me a couple of thousand votes? They'll go, yes, Mr. President, I can. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen last time. Uh, and I think I do. I I think democracy is really I'm hardly alone in this, but I think democracy is in peril and we all should be worried about that. Well, I made that point last week. It's, um, you know, because sometimes Howard and I get going on American politics and people may think like, why so much on American politics? Because we're their neighbor and you just nailed it. And that's what scares me. And a big part of what scares me is the effect that will have on us. If in January 2025, Donald Trump declares himself leader for life, which is well within possibility, what does that mean to Canada? Yeah. Because all of a sudden, free trade agreements and all sorts of, you know, anything on a whim that he wants is going to happen. And that's going to have big impact on us. I'm glad to hear Paul say that because what you just said that, you know, it's why American politics is so fascinating to both of us and why we spend, you know, maybe too much time. And we were trying to be very aware of it because, you know, basically we're supposed to be a comedy based show, even though (laughs) even though that gets lost sometimes. But what Paul says, I think, is truer than most Canadians would like to believe. And what's happened here, Paul, is that some of that sentiment and some of that whatever that smaga stink has has leached into here. And it's and the thing is, it's not just Canada. It's around the planet. You know, that uh, election in uh, was it Brazil where the uh, the Trump guy narrowly lost. Mm -hmm. But there's a Trump guy now in every country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Italy. Italy has swung hard uh, to the right. Listen, there's um, a Trump guy as premier of Alberta. It just happens to yeah. be a woman. But that's that's a very Trumpian kind of vibe out there now. Well, Poliev, you know, yeah, he's trying to shake it a bit, but that's probably an act to get elected. But that's what they do, right? There are a lot of very and with absolutely justifiable reason, there are a lot of massively disenchanted people out there who think that they've been sold a bill of right. goods and they've been shortchanged and they're fed up. And thus they gravitate towards Donald Trump, uh, Polivier. Um, it's and it's and it's all around the world. It's hardly unique to North America, but yeah. it's 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 frightening to sit and watch. Hey, guys, I, I you know, I was just sitting here thinking about it and, and it, half in fun, all in earnest. But you were thinking, well, what kind of a show do we have? Like if we what what category? <laughs> you know what I think you are really uh, mm. is you are a Canadian version of the Bill Maher show mm. because you get comedy for sure. Uh, you know, you both have a great sense of humor and, and but the interviews are really good. And then on top of that, it's there's a serious element to it where you deliver meaningful discussion. On, you, you do some frivolous stuff, lots of fart jokes. But mm-hmm. that's uh, that is this we, morning. That, we were talking about looking. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and no, but Bill Paul Mar does, too. Just, you deliver let, some, let Paul have his way stuff. 
keep going, know, Paul. But, but you do. You d- you deliver some. It's it's very Bill Maher like, if you will. Well, and thank to you me, for that's that. A, that's a compliment because I think that's a tremendous show. Oh, uh, so do I. Well, so we're going to take what you just said and we're just going to we're going to edit it, and that's going to be how we open and close this show. <laughs> what but Paul you know, said. Uh, you, you talk about copycats too. You're a guy that was around the sports world for a long time. Do you, on any level, have a relationship or have had a relationship with the asshole, also known as Theron Fleury? <laughs> Uh, yeah, professionally, yeah. Uh, interviewed uh-huh. him many, many times. Uh, a memorable story uh, encounter I had. I remember uh, when he was with the World Junior Team interviewing him. And then the last time I think I really sat down with him was when I lived overseas. Remember he went over and played for the, the Belfast Giants? Oh, right. Yes. Uh, in the uh, in the English Hockey League. So mm-hmm. I traveled over to Belfast and, and went and interviewed him and did a story about how he was trying to get his life back on track and so right. on but whoa yeah uh i don't know somebody i don't know if he got dropped on his head or uh or something <laughs> did, happened did, did something uh, happen in belfast was he touched inappropriately by a leprechaun I, I how about that know. huh it's there's it's some bill Maher. there's some bill Maher humor for you right now my but friend who is it the skater or jamie yeah Soleil? jamie salel is a jenny yeah like a nut bar as well she's gone waded into the deep end oh yeah it's, it's well scary. first of all thank you for your kind words i just want to get back mm-hmm. to something you said about mm-hmm. When you were talking us? about, well, yes, we would like more about us, obviously. <laughs> but you were said something about, uh, you know, it's it's dangerous because somebody could call up a, an attorney general of a state mm-hmm. and they might this time say, yes, we can find you those votes. Think about what you said. Think about how far into the world of political fuckery you described a, a former president called somebody. And they have an audio of it where he asked to change the votes. Like, you know, you, what we've learned uh, in the last couple of years is the definition of gaslighting. That is gaslighting. Saying your election is stolen while you're trying to steal an election is the very definition of it. But what I, what I think is really uh, scary about what I've just described is how that's just now like it's okay that he did that. But, but how about, I mean, the fact that Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody yeah, that's cares. It. Like it's a yeah. Well, you know, I still think the election was like nobody cares. That's yeah. the, to me. That's the shocker. And history will judge us if we don't annihilate ourselves. History will judge us harshly and look back and go, I can't believe how how unseriously. Yeah. People took democracy and how precious it was and didn't guard to maintain it. Uh, that's what I, I think how history will judge this era. OK, can I give you a, a silver lining scenario and, you know, faith in people and this if they win, if they take control of government, the whack jobs tonight, it gives us two years to the next election. It may be such a shit show that it might be a good thing by 2024. It's like, wow, we really don't want this now. And whether it, you know, gets people that won't, there's going to be people tonight that don't vote, which is another thing that blows my mind away. But maybe this two years and two more years of Trump actually campaigning will be enough. Do you think, though? I I listen, I'd like to think you're right. Well, I, that's I, hope, guys. Yeah, that's no, I get Obama it. hope. Yeah, what were we going to say, Polly? 
Yeah. Well, no, I, was, I, I mm-hmm. hope Fred's right, but I guess I, I, mm-hmm. I look at it and go, what? It's going to be more of a shit show than the the four or five years of Trump that yeah. we got? Like, well, that, I think, yeah. well, I think that, that wasn't no, enough. But, but and what you said, more of a shit show mm-hmm. than watching a bunch of people with Trump flags storming the Capitol and then having the Republican Party go, well, no, those weren't Trump supporters. What? what? Like, mm-hmm. like, and what you said, Paul, it's almost like a certain amount of the population doesn't believe it happened or doesn't care that it happened. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many things you could point to that have happened in politics in the last 10 years where 15 years prior to that, we'd be like, well, that guy's done. Like if seriously, if a candidate in the uh, 1990s or early 2000s said, we know what you do is grab them by the pussy, they wouldn't be elected president. No. Like that happened in our lifetimes. And, and you're right. We won't be around long enough to see if this has a happy ending or not because this world of mega politics and I mean that around the planet isn't going away anytime soon. No, no, I, I that's uh, I hope Fred's right. Uh, but I, I, I think in some countries we certainly seen in France uh, to a lesser extent in Italy, but France and Spain uh, where they had elections and the country, the voters collectively went, no. We're not going that hard right. Yeah. Uh, so will that happen in the United States? I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't get worse in Canada. Yeah. Just just hold on to this, guys. The big winner became president. You know, Mr. Wonderful became president. Loses the House, loses the Senate, loses the presidency. I mean, there's something to that. Sure there is, but it you doesn't know? seem to, you know, it doesn't seem to matter to a great amount of those people that are thinking that, well, as I said, uh, we played some audio yesterday of a guy who thinks the people in Australia should be voting Republican. Um, anyway. but just think if you, uh, one more point. Just think if you're a Republican at heart and you lean to the right and you're, say, a moderate, do you think you're going to admit to anybody that you don't like Donald Trump, how, how rabid those people are? No, exactly. Those are the people that may show up tonight or in 2024 that... You know, the silent majority again. Who knows? And as I said, Paul, back in the spring when this Supreme Court decision came down, I went, I listen, I've been married. I've had several long term relationships. I said to Freddie, I said, these these people are now fucking with women. And I promise you that come this November, I said that in the spring, that might be the thing because we've all angered women before in our lives. I just have this feeling that tonight a lot of women of all political stripes are going to say, ah, I don't think so. And I hope I, so. I hope you're right. And that, that's, uh, you know, that's all we can say. Listen, how about we end with something a little more uplifting. Paul Romanuk, ladies and gentlemen, what a no- another appearance with the uh, award-winning podcaster of the walrus was Paul. Let's not forget that he's a huge Humble and Fred fan and uh, speaks the truth. When it comes to this fantastic program, he calls it the Bill Maher of podcasting, and I will take that. I love that. Oh, yeah. So would I. Would you, uh, now, you uh, you go tell people at the podcast uh, council? <laughs> well, you got you to gotta, you gotta get your... Get your executive producer to put, uh, to put that fine uh, podcast uh, nominated. No, this is it's nothing. We got nothing. 
You know, we got nothing, Paul. But I tell you, man, uh, everyone we have sponsors. We got, yeah, exactly. Yes, we do have sponsors. Uh, you, you read my mind, Freddie. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Not our, not only are we the most uploaded podcast, but we're one of the few of them that actually makes money. Paul Romanuk, hockey mm-hmm. superstars. Look at the 2022 edition available now. And uh, I just what a warm feeling it always is uh, seeing your sweet face here on our program. Yep. And the industry misses you, buddy. I, I, I shake my head some nights when I'm listening, and it's like the industry misses you. Thanks. I miss, I miss it, Freddie. I miss mm-hmm. calling games. But mm-hmm. uh, well, listen, man. If you want, if you ever want to, just you know, one day come on and call a game during our show. We could just mm-hmm. you know just keep keep coming back to you for the play by play. Or come to Georgetown and call one of Johnny Slapshot's games. Maybe you can it would be. Uh, I think the last thing I called on Humble and Fred it was the Humble and Fred Olympics. It was uh, there. You go. You see, it was Ron Jeremy was a guest. <laughs> do, you, right. do you remember that? Of course we do. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he ran up Young Streak. Uh, he, he he ran up Young Streak and won by a cock. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Howard yeah. had one of the, when he. I remember him describing it, and this was on commercial radio. And he said, "He goes, uh, Ron Jeremy is tamping out the humble and Fred Olympic flame with his member." <laughs> yeah. You said that. Well, those were the old days when we were trying to be funny. Hey, Paul Romanuk, thank you for your participation, my friend. All the best to you, and uh, we'll look for uh, season three of the uh, Walrus was Paul. Uh, will be uh, either available now or available soon. Thanks, my friend. Love coming on, guys. Anytime. Love you, man. There's Paul Romanuk. Yesterday, uh, I was really excited about the fact that we ate in front of clients and we didn't get food all over ourselves. But thanks, Paul. Just let yourself out there, bud. But uh, I did notice something that uh, I didn't want to. Well, I did point out one thing that you had. You had two uh, pairs of uh, reading glasses, which I thought was cool. You were like uh, pretty cool with your extra reading glasses. That's cool. No, I just thought it was kind of funny. But the thing that I well, didn't... And I explained to you. Well, no, it was, it was legit, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it wasn't legit. But uh, you were, when, I, when we walked out of the restaurant, because uh, I drove you home mm-hmm. uh, now, because Fred's going to... We're going to be talking to Daryl Croft uh, from uh, EVNet here in a couple minutes. But we, I gave Fred the Kia Kona to test drive the electric vehicle as we were so you drove me home and then you drove the Kona home mm-hmm. as we got out of the restaurant I noticed you were wearing uh, interesting footwear and I wasn't sure how to describe the footwear you were wearing right but I came up with this they, they were basically Crocs in the shape of loafers is that fair yeah yes and I'm not and by the way I'm not going to mock you I am very curious pardon me sir you can't well, you're very you could. stylish. Are they? Very, okay. okay, well, I'd never you, seen them before. Pardon me? You wouldn't know that. Well, no, because I don't have your sense of fashion. Oh, it's not me. It's my wife. <laughs> well, no, that's true. But I'd never seen them before. So is that a fair croc loafers? Because they were croc. They uh, seemed yes. like croc material. Yes. And it's interesting on that point. They're very comfortable and I like wearing them. In that, uh, the, listen, I I have to wear socks in sneakers and stuff like that, or my feet stink. Yes. but I can wear those with no socks, 
and it's airy and they're very comfortable. Dan's noticed them before as well. He's mm-hmm. well, that's what I was going to say. I noticed you were like going without socks and I thought yes. that's cool. And and um, I forget the point I was going to make now. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Here's the point I was going to make before I left yesterday. The, the person who dresses me, Delise, mm-hmm. I said to her, do you think I can wear these to what I'm going to? And she said, sure. And I thought, fuck, that's good enough for me. Because yeah. I wanted to, but I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't because we're going for a lunch. I don't know who I'm going to meet. But when she said, yes, go ahead, I thought, hmm, there's something to this. Well, you can tell her she made a great choice. I'm, I only pointed mm-hmm. out because I had never seen that style of Crocs. I wasn't even sure they were Crocs. No, they're not Crocs. They're one of those... Uh, uh, they're one of those uh, uh, running shoe companies, a, a notable, a big name, I don't even know off the top, that makes them. It's not Crocs. Okay, well, they were, you know, it was just something I noticed, and, uh, you know, good mm-hmm. on you. How come you didn't say something at well, the Well, because I'd already said something about your glasses. I don't want to be all That's not even... I had... I was wearing reading glasses at the computer just before I left, and I took them and put them in my shirt, and then on the way out, I thought, oh, I'm driving... Because I drove down there, I thought I need my driving glasses, so yeah. I grabbed those. So I was wearing those and had the readers in my thing. And you seemed to think it was like uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't. Honestly, it, it really wasn't like a moment. <laughs> no, I'm looking for a moment. It wasn't a moment. I was just trying to point out that you had like fun. You were like a, a glass oh. hut. You had yeah. glasses <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, dude, do you know you have like four pairs of glasses? Anyway, before we get to Dan Duran's right. news. Uh, we were talking with uh, Paul Romanuk, who, as you pointed out, is one of the great play-by-play voices this country ever produced. Uh, and speaking of sports... Yes, uh, tonight, uh, if you would like to wager on a hockey game, the Vegas Golden Knights, arguably the best team in the NHL so far this year, are here. But your Maple Leafs, minus 125 to win, so they're slightly favored. Well, the Leafs have been playing quite well lately. Of course they have. It's the regular season. (laughs) Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment, from their industry-leading odds, world-class Sportsbook and feature rich poker room to their fully loaded, uh, loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's Bodog. I mentioned earlier that uh, this program is powered by GoDaddy. GoDaddy also powers small business and entrepreneurs much like yourselves. Uh, 25 years, 20 million customers, and we've had the uh, great pleasure of speaking to many of the people that work with GoDaddy. Now you can, too. You can start your website for free. That's no money, people. Start it for free with GoDaddy today. Try it out. No credit card is even required. And with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, that means you call somebody, there's a human being that helps you every step of the way. Maybe today's the day you finally launch that side hustle or start selling your products online with GoDaddy. Try it out. GoDaddy.ca is where you go to learn more. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad we brought up that uh, Revolver uh, remix because uh, now I'm reminded I will go and uh, I'll go have a listen to some of the differences. I mean, Paul's a guy that under, you know remembers more of that stuff than I do, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see if you had uh, 
you know, if you're able to compare some of the audio yeah. efficacy or whatever, I don't know. It all sounds pretty good you to know, me. This has been going on for some time. Uh, when I was working in Peterborough, I was, uh, you know what? Anyway. Um, yeah, programs, <laughs> were you a programmer? Programs, programs, director. So this, this would have to be 2009, maybe 2010. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the midday jock. Uh, Scott Haynes uh, walked in. He said, Fred, you may like this. And he handed me the remastered White Album. And uh, so that, again, that's, they've been doing these albums systematically over the past several years. And it was quite remarkable. It was on CD. But I remember playing it in my car and thinking, wow, this is great. You know? Um, are you talking about Peterborough, where you were a program director? Uh, Peterborough, a.k.a. Electric City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Dan uh, Electric City. Yeah. Dan told us that to, uh, this morning before the show started. We were talking about Peterborough uh, somehow, and uh, I did not know that its nickname was Peterborough Electric City. And uh, yeah, and, and why is that, that Dan? Did you tell us? Speak- yeah, tell us. From my understanding, is that uh, Peterborough was the, fir- the first uh, municipality in North America that had streetlights, and it- GE was a big part of. Uh, of uh, Peterborough for a long period of well, time. Well, our buddy Brian Collins worked at GE for yeah. a million years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and it's funny because you, you you said, you know, Peterborough, Electric City, and I'd never heard that. I've lived in this area for half my life. But I, it's funny, like, I don't know, does Toronto have a nickname? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it used to be that cities, you know, you sort of knew, like, Regina is the queen city. Moose Jaw true story was called the when i was growing up it was known as the band capital of north america because every summer a bunch of marching bands came to town and did marching band things but uh i even even as a kid i thought are we really the band capital of north america i mean seriously there's 12 people that live here how can we say that (laughs) anyway um but i don't know what toronto's nickname is Ogtown. oh yes but is that a like, but that's not like Electric City. That's what, that's like a, is that the official nickname of Toronto? No, I wouldn't say official, but, you know, my whole life, the references to Hogtown, and it was because, again, I've told you this, you know, as a kid, everything west of Bay Street was, you know, factories and slaughterhouses. Slaughterhouses, and that's where that came from. Okay. The sprawling stockyards in the west. End. Right, right, right. Hogtown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and there you go. Well, we've learned. Yeah. We know what we did today. Mm-hmm. We all learned a few things. And where did it come from? The giant brain of Dan Duran. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A hell of a guy with a hella big wang. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now, live from the Humble and Fred Kitchen With the news and studio Kitchen studio Kitchen studio And now live from the Humble and Fred Kitchen studio With news and views, here's Dan Duran Okay, in political advertising, you'll see a lot of 
compromising images, out-of-context quotes, and just plain lies. But in Florida, Ron DeSantis just came out with this gem. Now, it's two minutes long. It's too long to play the whole thing. But I'll play a little bit of it. And it's filled. Imagine the uh, the images are black and white images of Ron DeSantis looking great, doing all the political things, you know, touching babies and things like that. Uh, he is God's chosen one. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a protector. So God made a fighter. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, kiss his family goodbye, travel thousands of miles for no other reason than to serve the people, to save their jobs, their livelihoods, their liberty, their happiness. So God made a fighter. Okay, that's it. Now, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know you know what I'm going to say. You're talking, there's no dumber population than people believe, than people that believe that God somehow gives two and a half shits about any of this. A, B, that there's actually a God somewhere going, yes, I need you to create a fighter, and it's Ron DeSantis. Is that not at all tongue-in-cheek, though? I almost get a feeling like it's not. I wish it were. I wish it was a parody. It's not. It seems like it would be. It's not. Yeah, you think so. God also chose Trump, though, so there's a little. Uh, there's going to be a little conflict there, I would imagine. Here, here's where we're where we're at, where Ron DeSantis, as distasteful as he is, if it is him and Trump, will be in a situation where we won't let him know we be cheering oh, yeah. for him. Because let's be serious. I mean, of the two, at least DeSantis has some degree of. I don't even like to say it normalcy, but you know what I mean? But somewhere in the real world compared to the orange man. Mm, I don't know. Well, I don't know. He's more competent than Trump. He could well, get maybe more that's stuff. the word. I, I don't know. But bad stuff done. He's better at it. Yeah. But I, that, that look on Dan's face, I agree. It's like, you, you know, you, you, it's like choosing between a pile of shit or yeah. a bag of shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Do you want a pile? Do you want the shit in a bag? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I know it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I know, but that whole and and, you, and listen, I think it's interesting. You thought that was a parody. I know it's not, and that's mm-hmm. what's so fucking weird about that place. It's like you actually, like I don't know. Like I know we should joke a little bit with Dan about religion, but I mean, really, to go on to actually produce a commercial. Where you've got a human being saying, God realized, God this, God what God? Which one of the 3,000 of them? doesn't even exist. Making it up. And when did he pick a political side and, you know, that witch, bitch, vile piece of, you want to talk about piece of shit, Carrie Lake. You know, she drops God in whenever she can. And you know it's just so uh, disingenuous. She's saying it for her base. All those people in front of her. You know, she just... Sometimes she'll be finished, and then as she's walking away, come back and make a God comment, just like, oh, right, I have to feed God to these fucking simpletons. Yeah. It's something else. And, and, you know, here's the thing. If there wasn't a base of those, you know, people, she wouldn't be able to get away with it because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like... You know, it's one of the things I do love about our political system. We just don't bring it into... Like, in, in Canada... It's less about what religious team you're on. 
And it's also, no one gives a shit about what university you went to. <laughs> you know, when I'm watching golf on the weekends, I don't care that this guy was with the Alabama. I don't care, but they really care down there. Mm-hmm. It's more about, and it's an, it's an example of tribalism, you know, because it's all about mm-hmm. what team you're on, what religion, what political stripe. Oh, our buddy Darren likes Michigan, University of Michigan, and their nickname is Blue. And I've been with down in the States with him many times, and he wears, you know, a Michigan hat. It's amazing how many, many people walk by and go, hey, go blue, go blue. And it's yeah. bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like when I wear my University of Toronto cap around the city, nobody ever says, go blues, go blues. You know, mm, yeah. it's just, it's on, a different, <laughs> it's on a different level. Like, it's crazy. I know. Dan, do you have another story? Because yeah. we have uh, EV Nets uh, Prez Daryl Croft standing by. We're going to be talking about electric vehicles. Uh, give us one more story, though, Daniel. All right. Mouth taping is now a thing. People are now taping their mouth shut at night. Mm. Taking some tape, putting it over your mouth, keeping your mouth closed overnight is uh, uh, Lauren Bostic. She uh, recently appeared on Good Morning America and said, the first time I did it, I woke up with more energy. Now, there's doctors out there proposing that breathing through your nose instead of your mouth may uh, help prevent the uh, spread of infection, also improve teeth hygiene, facial alignment at night. I can't imagine doing this, but uh, they, there is a cautionary to it. Some, it should be under the guidance of a doctor, some doctors say, because <laughs> yeah, the danger part is if you don't know you have sleep apnea right and it could be a problem uh yeah, taping your mouth shut say. yeah yeah if you if you do it for a couple of nights and you're feeling better you wake up <laughs> i just yeah, i just love to see a doctor i love the fact somebody's in uh the aisle at home depot looking for some duct tape you know what do you need <laughs> it for sir well i'm gonna be duct taping my mouth shut now <laughs> that gives me the creeps you know i i don't know if it's uh tied to my claustrophobia or whatever it is but whenever i see something somebody's hands are tied behind their back and their mouth is taped oh yeah you know in in tv shows and stuff it just i think if that ever happened to me i would just probably die on the spot what do you mean just kill yourself or something no i would just be i would have like a major panic attack then i'll be able to use my hands and my mouth with duct tape over it yeah, and isn't it weird phobia I no have, i hear you just man. a phobia it's a phobia yeah no i get it yeah you know and then there's some people that'll be like hey that sounds like a great weekend um <laughs> <laughs> let's uh uh dan duran let's uh, just uh, stand by and switch gears uh welcome back to our program our buddy from ev net see what i'm doing here this is your theme now electric avenue <laughs> i love it uh, even though you and I haven't talked, I've talked quite a bit about you recently with our, our mutual friend, Tommy O. Oh, good. Hopefully good. No, it was all good. He's just talking about uh, some kind of scotch exchange you guys were doing. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit too much on both sides. It was a little rough. Well, the nice thing about Daryl and my buddy Tom is they live just a couple blocks away from each other. So it's like having one of your best buddies that you can have a drink with and never have to worry about driving. You just, you know, kind of crawl home on your own. I'm it not saying you, very convenient. <laughs> I'm not saying you were crawling home. I don't. I don't leave that impression. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> um, but let's talk about driving uh, Daryl Croft of EVNet. Yeah. Um, so I've uh, I had the I experienced the Tesla for a week, and then I have had the Kona from yeah. Kia for a week, and now Fredman's got it. Good. And he's a, what's interesting about the Fred experiment is that it's uh, you. You have a Kia right now, don't you? 
Yes, a Sorrento. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, it's gas powered. It's yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And uh, but mm-hmm. I was uh, sitting in the the Kona with Freddie yesterday as we were doing the drop off, and I said it's kind of cool, you know. There's a few things to get used to, mm-hmm. but I would tell you, Daryl, one of the first things that I think has been a, a revelation for me is just how the acceleration works and how as soon as you take your foot off the accelerator not the gas it does two things it starts to slow down but it also starts to regenerate yeah the charging maybe you can talk a little bit about that because that's something i had no idea of now i gotta be honest i'm not a electrical engineer but oh you're I not understand oh howard is oh yeah well <laughs> let me let, let me just pop in <laughs> so essentially when that car is rolling down the road you know there's a lot of weight and energy generated by the vehicle just by the sheer movement and in traditional gas cars when you let your foot off the gas in a gas car you're just cruising or, or coasting and to make it slow down the, the way you want you're actually applying friction you know brakes to, to slow it down and that generates a lot of lost heat and you're not doing anything with that kinetic energy with electric motors uh when you let your foot off the accelerator, the motors themselves recognize that, okay, you don't want to move forward anymore. Instead of wasting that energy, the motor itself grabs that, slows the car down. And through that energy, it's almost like you can imagine like a hydroelectric power, water's running, you got energy and and it's being captured. So the the electric motors are capturing it and, and allowing that energy to be saved in a small amount. Back to the battery, not a huge. Well, like, dude, that's a that's a pretty good explanation, considering you know you're not an electrical engineer. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to make that point, and let's talk now about the EVNet experience. EVNet.ca. What I was mentioning yesterday, and what's really cool, and then we're experiencing it now, which is we're getting to test drive different cars, and that's not traditional in the EV world because of the uh, lack of supplies but you guys allow people to do that we can rent the car or you can rent the car before you buy a car maybe talk a little bit about that today daryl sure it's it's the most important thing about how can you expect somebody to make such a big life-changing decision and and commit to years of, of payments without even really knowing what you what you're getting into because most people haven't even been in an ev let alone drive an ev and uh, i i think i told you the story one time before when i went to buy a ford f-150 lightning this summer they wouldn't even let me sit in it they had nothing to drive. None of them ever driven it. But because these are such hot commodities and rare birds, like, the, okay, you sign on the dotted line, spend your hundred grand and drive away. So it's ridiculous, really, to not have somebody have a, have a chance to try it. The other thing is, I know we live in an electronic world and you like to look at everything online. But when you're actually experiencing how the car feels and drives and seat and storage, you cannot do that online. It's it's a physical experience. you got to lift up the trunk, see how much, you know, can you fit your dog and, and your luggage in there? You actually physically have to experience it. And so the way we started because in, in my automotive side of the business said, okay, Tire and Auto, we always had cars that we would give people to rent when their car was in the shop. So we used to have gas cars. So when we thought about electric and we knew our clients wanted to go, we said, hey, let them try electric. And it was amazing when people actually got to drive it. The first reaction was, wow, number one. 
But then, you know, they, it starts a curiosity. Well, I like this, or maybe I want more trunk space uh, or maybe whatever. So having a variety was essential to let people figure out if it was for them. Well, yesterday was my first ever experience, first time I've ever driven an EV. Um, it was amazing. Howard told me about the braking thing when you took your foot off the gas, and I was aware of that. I went from, uh, you know, Islington and the Queensway to the north end of Brampton. By the time I was on the 427, I completely forgot about that. I, I sort of got my head around it. The only thing I thought from there to home was, I'm driving this nice little vehicle, and I don't. you don't have to put gas in it. Like, it's just crazy when you think about that. Because, it you know, obviously, we're all conditioned of, you know, looking at the gas gauge and then having to worry about putting it in and looking at the price. I'm thinking, boy, you have one of these vehicles. That's not even part of your world now. It, it, it's remarkable. And you're so right, Fred. People of our generation, we've, we've been ingrained for so long to have that as part of ever yeah. since you drove. That was part mm-hmm. of your life. So to, to lose that part of your life is so strange to think. Well, you know. Yeah. As I, as I said to Daryl, uh, to um, uh, Howard, the only Howard. drawback is I'm not <laughs> going to be getting my Canadian tire points when I'm filling up. But that's okay. <laughs> That's a good trade-off. You know, the other thing that, and I sat in the, because again, I've had, this is my second experience. And, and up until I test, you know, had the Tesla for a few days, I'd never driven one either. But sitting there with Freddie, mm-hmm. I, you're also so conditioned to the car turning on. Now, in the Kona, you actually have to press start-stop. In the mm-hmm. Tesla, once it recognizes that you're in the car, it's on. And that's the weirdest part. Even in the Kona, when you press it, Nothing happens. It just shows that everything is is now mm-hmm. and ready to go. But it's isn't that it's the oddest feeling of not hearing the car turn over. Well, that the, my first experience was that yesterday. I said that to you, Howard. I hit it. You had told me what to do, and I hit it. Everything came on, but I still paused a bit because I was waiting for that turnover, that feeling of mm, yeah, which doesn't happen. It's just ready yeah, to go. And and yeah. and what you said, Daryl, about allowing people to test these cars. And and I and there's a woman that works with Daryl. Such a she's been so helpful to us. Maeve is her name. And the very first time I got in the car with Maeve and Daryl, I think we were around halfway around the block, and I said, "I'm never not driving this car because <laughs> because it just there's just something instantly you get it whether it's the Bolt, the Kona, the Outlander, the Nissan Leaf, or the Tesla Model Three. Those are all available to you at EVNet, and I promise you. This is a great opportunity for Humble and Fred listeners to give this a shot. Uh, I think Daryl and I were talking about this a while back about how something like 50% of Canadians say that they will either get their next car being electric or they'll be looking at an electric car. It's, it's, it's all going to be happening sooner than later, so you might as well give it a shot now, right? And that's right. Getting a chance to try it first and see the options that are available. Uh, a lot of people, if you've never shop for one never been in one how do you know what you know Mm -hmm. what's for Mm -hmm. you right Mm -hmm. uh so the kona for example is an suv it's it's a little higher than the tesla model 3 right and uh and it has some buttons and switches tesla doesn't it's very minimalistic it's very 
technological. So there's different comfort levels that people like and finishes. Uh, so what are the things I must say? People knock Tesla. They say, okay, it doesn't have any buttons, and I'm used to buttons. So uh, fine. Somebody may be more comfortable actually pressing pressing a button that they could see. So by hopping in these different vehicles, you, you get you get to figure out your own limits. What are your what's your comfort level? What do you want or not want? And and I must say, before I had a Tesla, I had a Audi S4. And that thing had buttons up the galore. And I'm gonna tell you, most people with modern cars with all the buttons, they don't even know what they do. They yeah. don't even use them anyway. No, that's so right. They like Absolutely. to look at them. Mm-hmm. And 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 Howard, you'd mentioned, you know, as a pilot and a cockpit, how they've changed over the years. So oh, yeah. Cars are like that, too. You don't need all those things. Well, I told you the last plane that I flew uh, uh, any amount was a, a, a plane that basically had glass cockpit, they call it. It was two computer screens and all the engine, everything, all the navigation was on one screen. So when you get in that Tesla, all it is is one screen. And what Daryl's talking about, the, the Kona has more sort of traditional car buttons for you to play around with, whether it's the... You know, the, uh, the uh, environment system or the radio, whatever it is, you can touch those buttons on a Kona. On a Tesla, it's literally on one screen. And if you're, like you said, it's minimalistic and it's also very, very well done. Uh, all by way of saying, if you're looking to test drive an EV, now is the best time to do it. We recommend evnet.ca has all the details. Mabel hook you up. You'll get to actually be in a car and get a, a sense of how it's done. There's a great app that EV uses. And it's simple. You can book it. Uh, and Daryl, always great uh, catching up with you. Are you going to be around a little bit this morning? I can give you a shout. Yeah, absolutely. Please do so. And I want to help Fred up with uh, the charging network. You know, so I got to uh, help him how to get set up with that. So we'll talk later on that. Okay, okay. for sure. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to wrap up the show. If you just want to, like, you know, yeah. sit there for one second, Dan Duran's oh. going to say goodbye. And then we can have a quick meeting because we've got to figure out uh, a couple things because I'm uh, Fred's now got the Kona for the uh, sure. for the next four or five weeks. Uh, there's Daryl. Once again, it's evnet.ca. And uh, thanks to uh, Paul Romanuk today. Appreciate uh, Paul being on the show. As we said, we switched up Noel, who normally is on this Tuesday, the first one of every month, and Noel will be with us tomorrow. If you don't know Noel from the show, go check him out. Noel Kassler. He worked for the Trump Organization for six years. And he always has great insight uh, into uh, all things, uh, you know, Republican. Uh, He's a super uh, dude and we'll be talking about the midterms. Dan, will you be uh, will you be doing any midterm reporting uh, for your news tomorrow? Most likely, if there's anything <laughs> exciting to report, I'll be on it. I uh, can't our wait. Election, our election team is ready to go. Fantastic, uh, Freddie. Do you have any uh, other uh, anything else uh, to go here before we uh, say goodbye? Yes, we should talk about the Chamber's plan and what it means to small business, what it can mean to your small business. If you've thought about a benefits package for your small business, well, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan is the way to go. It's Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Been around 40 years, 30,000 Canadian businesses part of it. Take the time today. If you have a small company and it's something you'd like to do for your people, you can get a free quote today. See what's available. See what it costs. Appreciate how they've kept the premiums down really well over the past uh, few years, even during the trying times of COVID. Again, take the time today, chamberplan.ca. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Go Daddy, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, 
And our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. Eat what you want to eat, drink what you want to drink, and be who you want to be. Enjoy classics like the legendary four-cheese spinach dip and unforgettable chicken wings. Fuel your adventurous spirit that craves something a little different, a little more original. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. And on whatever platform you're listening, please help us out. Like us, subscribe, give us stars, that kind of thing. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. We're going to go recharge, and we'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy every goddamn day. Where's that?